The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Thank you, Dave Wilson. We want to bring in Matt Bozler from our ACE Federal Reserve reporting team. And I want to set this up for you, Matt, as you've had a chance now to take a couple minutes and, and read our story on the Bloomberg and maybe even scan a bit of the minutes yourself, that we've had dueling comments from top Fed officials the last couple of days because John Williams from the San Francisco Fed said a rate hike could still be appropriate this year, depending on how the economy plays out, depending on his expectation that there'll be no impact on the U.S. from Brexit versus Dan Tarullo. He said, regardless of Brexit, you don't have employment and inflation at a point where it's time to raise rates. It seems to me there's just there's there's still maybe two camps there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think um, what uh, one thing that both of them would agree on and many uh, others on the committee is this idea that um, the neutral Fed funds rate, where they're eventually going, is lower. And there's a lot of uncertainty around that. And one of the lines here that really jumps out at me is uh, several noted that in the prevailing circumstances of considerable uncertainty about the neutral federal funds rate, the committee could better gauge the effects of increases in the federal funds rate on the economy if it proceeded gradually in adjusting policy. So this, to me, uh, suggests that you know the pace of rate hikes is going to be very slow because not only do they um, you know have so much uncertainty about this, but they don't know how each rate hike is going to impact the economy, and that's going to um, call for additional time between increases uh, to gauge the effects. And that's exactly what we're seeing so far this year. Um, and here we are, you know, seven months later, uh, and we. We've only hiked once. So. Wondering if you could just comment a little bit about uh, Loretta Mester, the uh, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of uh, Cleveland, because I believe that there's a bit of a surprise that uh, Mester didn't dissent in the meeting, favoring a more uh, hawkish stance. She, she since clarified that the Brexit concerns kept her from wanting to tighten policy. Yeah, you know, that was interesting. And I think uh, perhaps even more interesting was Esther George, the Kansas City Fed president, is known to be probably the most hawkish member on the committee. And she said after the June meeting that the re and she's been dissenting right at, at previous meetings. And the reason she didn't dissent in June was because of that jobs report. So it really goes to show you how important that bad jobs report in May was, how it scared off even the most hawkish Fed officials, and, you know, therefore how important this Friday's number is going to be to see whether or not that was real. You know, Dave Wilson, if we look at the market expectations, so if we look at WIRP on the Bloomberg, which is the world interest rate projection, right, for key rates around the world, but if you look at the one regarding the Fed, right now the markets aren't even looking for an interest rate increase possibly all the way through next year. So I just wonder if I'm, especially if I'm an equity investor, this is great for bonds. The global bond rally is still on fire. Yields are falling all around the world. But for stocks, can you just say no big deal? Or are you concerned that the Fed's still concerned enough about the economy and global risks that it's not moving? Well, I mean, you have to be concerned to the extent that you, you, you figure out, well, what kind of companies do you want to invest in? I mean, you look at the last several years, and it's been about growth because you haven't seen a whole lot of it in the U.S. economy or certainly economies elsewhere. So you've had growth stocks, the ones that can deliver uh, the biggest increases in sales and earnings and so on do relatively well when you compare them with value stocks, the ones that uh, people tend to buy 
because they're relatively cheap when you look at earnings or sales or asset values. It's actually you know, chart of the day I just did uh, on this whole idea that you've had this reversal this year where you've seen the value stocks do a bit of a rebound. Given what's happening in the economy, though, and, and the Fed's reluctance to raise rates, you do have to ask the question whether that equation is going to reverse again and growth stocks are going to regain uh, prominence here. At least that's what Barry Bannister, uh, uh, strategist over at Stephen, was talking about, and that's uh, why it showed up in my chart from yesterday. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, also worth noting that uh, these minutes are being released at a time that gold, is, gold has reached a fresh two-year high, $1,369 an ounce. Also, that the yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note, Kathleen, I know you've been following this, falling to its lowest level ever, ever. Uh, that means a pretty important piece of information yes. for people who are in the bond market. And we note that, for example, the long bond, the 30-year, I think the return so far this year is over 17% mm -hmm. uh, in capital appreciation as well as whatever payments you may have received. Well, let's toss this over to Matt, Mo Matt Bowser, Matt, because, or PM, because uh, Larry Summers, an op-ed in the Washington Post today, former Treasury Secretary, has been pounding the table on secular stagnation. You know, these long-term forces holding back economies around the world saying, this is why the bond yields are falling. I wonder what they mean to the Fed. And I wonder as we comb through these minutes with our, our fine-tooth, you know, reporter combs, if we'll see any reference to this concern over what this plunging bond yield might mean. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I was just looking at um, the appendix to the minutes uh, that comes out uh, once a quarter when they uh, release their, um, you know, projections for the economy. And one of the things they include in the appendix is how they see the risks to their projections for inflation and unemployment weighted, you know, whether it's to the upside or to the downside. And one thing we saw in March was that a lot of uh, people on the committee saw the risks to their inflation forecasts as weighted to the downside. So that would help explain why yields are so low. But the interesting thing, and this is something I really wasn't expecting at all, is that um, in June, uh, there were a lot less uh, members who saw a risk to inflation as way to the downside. So that kind of, you know, uh, doesn't jibe with the market. I want to thank you very much, Matt Bosler, Bloomberg Federal Reserve reporter, Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks columnist, to be joining us in the next hour of Taking Stock. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.